This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is called What That Nurse Do Though. <laughs> what That Nurse Do. <laughs> the question of the century. Why does no one really know what nurses do? Do we know what the heck we do? You know, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> how do we clearly define nursing? I don't think you can. I don't think you can either. No. I, I think researchers have been spending a really long time to try to define what we do which it would be great if they could. I think they have like resorted to trying to define what nurses don't do or what it looks like if nurses don't exist. Oh, man. But, yeah, I don't know that it's been 100% successful. No. Because we're all, we're all so different in our areas of practice. I mean, you yeah. can't just walk up to like a NICU nurse who works at a large university hospital even versus a NICU nurse at like a smaller hospital. It's exactly. Different. It's completely different. <clears throat> the so. patients that we see and stuff. And then when people are like, robots are soon going to be nurses because all nurses do is hand out pills and they can assess your vitals. And it's like, nah, we not ain't exactly. that cold. Right. I'm not worried about that. I no. think we'll be the last ones to go by, by robot, honestly. But uh, yeah, so we thought this was an appropriate topic, especially after talking about Senator Maureen Walsh. Uh, in the last episode and her comments about how we play cards. But I can definitely say we do not play cards. We don't play cards. I've never played cards. No. Ever. I've cracked a lot of jokes at work. But, you know, you got to keep morale up. (laughs) Right, definitely. (laughs) So uh, this episode's lubrication question of the week is another one brought to you by Danielle Maltby. Like, what is her? She really comes up with the grossest questions to me. And I don't know if it's because she's a NICU nurse and it's, it's all new. It's a nurse brain, man. Yeah, but my gross questions are from a different place than yours. I well, think. I'm excited to get your gross questions. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They'll come. They'll okay. definitely come. But, uh, Danielle, do you think you can make butter from breast milk? And <laughs> if you could, would you eat it? <laughs> It's so disgusting. Okay, so I think the would you eat it portion of it has to be answered first. And if it was my own breast milk, like whenever I have kids, yeah, I feel like I would try it. Um, I've had a lot of friends that have had kids, and I have not tried the breast milk. I have no desire to try the breast milk, milk, but their husbands have tried the breast milk. Weird. (laughs) Yeah, which, no, I, I mean, I think it's just funny, to be honest. You know, so many people have, like, milk allergies and stuff like that. But would you be allergic to your own milk? Oh, my God. What if women became the producers? What if we, like, who was the first person that was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drink milk from this cow or goat or something? Like, why do we drink other animals' milk when women produce milk? I don't know. Women are incredible. I just don't even know how you can grow a child and feed it from your own body. Right? It's incredible. It's incredible, okay. but I don't know if I want to eat your breast milk. I mean, I would. <laughs> backtrack. I feel like you would be able to, I mean, does it have the same properties? I feel like I should maybe study this a little bit more, but like, I feel like if like you shook it long enough, you could churn, <laughs> you could churn your own breast milk into butter. Oh my God. We need somebody who's breastfeeding. We need to try this. Yeah. We but need like, to try this. Yeah. 
Because or, then okay. maybe it would taste good. Maybe you would. Maybe we would sell it in the store. Because you know there are breast milk banks online that yeah. people donate to. I'm yeah. sure you know that. Of course okay. you know that. I'm going to pose this to our audience and our um, listeners and stuff. Please let us know if you are breastfeeding and if you have, like, I know it's, it's breast milk is so freaking precious and you guys are saints for, like, spending the time producing it, pumping it. Um, but if you have like a tiny little bit left over, like just, or you're like a really good producer or you have a drink and don't they have to like get rid of the first round Yeah, they pump if they, yeah. if you, so Danielle and I both have not had children as you can tell, but I think you have to get rid of the first round. Yeah. Like you pump and dump after just you have make a butter drink. out of that. It'd be See, like bourbon if butter. You like, if you like, if you're bourbon, bourbon breast butter. milk butter, oh God, we could sell that for like 10 bucks a stick. <laughs> okay, so I want our listeners to like, that are breastfeeding, like shake that milk up for like a while. And like, I think it's, you might have to like commit to it for, I don't, I don't know it, how long it would take, but. Put in a food processor. Whip it? Whip, whip But it. wouldn't that be like whipped cream? Whipped that, breast if milk If you keep cream? whipping cream, it turns into butter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so put like, put it in a process it. See what happens. Yes, because I am dying to know. Me too. I really want, like, videotape it. I want to see breast milk turn into butter. God, I wonder if it's out there already. It probably is. I'm not going to Google, though, because I don't want to no. ruin this for me. Yeah. I, I want our listeners to show us. I think you can. I feel like you I think you to. can make it into some spreadable substance. That's, yeah. that's my gut intuition. Would I use it? I feel like... Uh, if it came from my own body, probably. Yeah, me too. If it came from my own body, but and there's all these like good things about breast milk that oh yeah, saying all these nutrients and properties, and I'm kind of into that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm not gonna say no. I'm not gonna say no. I think we're gonna have to have breast milk as an entire other topic. Oh my god! Well, one of us is gonna have to get pregnant and just make this, or I can just keep test doing the this research. theory. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, I'll just research instead. So, question <laughs> of the day. Send us your responses. We cannot wait to hear We cannot them. wait. I want to know who's done this. Yeah. Okay. So back to the topic at hand. What a nurse do? What a nurse do? What, is a, what does society say that we do? Um, I feel like society basically thinks that um, has sort of that candy striper mentality. Like nurses are either like super sexy and slutty and like around giving like sponge baths. Um, or they just, you know, dole out meds or they're like nurse ratchet or just like mean and crotchety and, um, like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And I just typed into the Google search bar, what do nurses? And the first question is, what do nurses do? What do nurses wear? What do nurses make? What do nurses major in? What do nurses make in an hour? What do nurses study? What do nurses do daily? What do nurses use? There are lots of like interesting questions if you if you if look you it Google up. It. Yeah, for Google. sure. And you know, like the early episodes of Grey's Anatomy and like I think much Oof. in like Hollywood. Oh mm-hmm. boy. We were just like gals just blowing doctors in the on call room to be uh, honest. Which with I've you. never it done was... and I've never been like asked to. <laughs> yeah. Don't uh do not, like, uh, put your feet in the water where you work. Uh, that's for sure. I think that's – I have never done that. But no. 
I do know people that have, and it's not, I don't even know exactly where the call rooms are. It's not turned out well. I can't, I don't even have swipe access to those things. I don't know how people get in. They won't even let me in. So there's like no way. I mean, I would love to find a bunk bed at night. Like if, I, <laughs> right? if of, we could actually, well, yeah. we're playing cards. This is where Wait, we play cards. Yeah. On call yeah. room. But like, if I don't feel like eating for, if I'm not hungry, like on my night shift and I want to take a nap instead, like. Yeah, we don't get those rooms. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, so I think there's like this like really unfortunate view of what we do all, uh, you know. It's something I get asked a lot too. Like my my friends will like, so what do nurses actually do? And so I start going through my daily. I get to work. We clock in, you know, then report starts. So during report, you know, you go, you get all the information on your patients and then you, you pretty much dive in, you know, in the NICU, our assessments are based pretty much around feeding schedules or lack there of <clears throat> feeding schedules if like our patients aren't allowed to eat yet. So basically every three hours we have like feeds, medications, assessments to do, but especially in the ICU setting, we are constantly monitoring vitals. So we we might need to start new IVs. We might need to give blood products. We might need to run a bunch of tests. We might need to ask for vent setting changes. We might we might be doing resuscitation. We might be going to a delivery. We might be cleaning up a room because environmental won't get their butts up mm-hmm. to the room and we have to turn it over really quick. You know, we're, we're cleaning staff. We are, we're, we're the first on site, you know, if, if an emergency is happening, we're the ones that are sitting at the bedside constantly. We're, we're taking calls from parents. We are assuring them. We are comforting babies that are withdrawing from various substances. We, uh, I, I can't tell you everything that we do because we do it all. Yeah, I really feel like if I'm ever explaining it to somebody, I try and say that we're care coordinators, dot connectors. We, uh, you know, are practicers of hard sciences, soft sciences. We, you just, it's more like asking, what don't you do? And it's, Mm -hmm. and the answer is normally like nothing. I mean, we just do everything. Like you, you are capable, you have to be capable of doing so many things and not to mention you have to be ready to do so many things because your day plan can change in the snap of a finger. So if you're not flexible and able to do that, which to me was news that a lot of people can't do that. I actually thought, I mean, I had like a very close, I just thought everyone could, like I thought that everyone could be caring. Um, Everybody could connect the dots and change on the dime. (laughs) Danielle's face right now, clearing her throat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so uh, I don't know. So in your day looks very different from mine. It does. And it also varies um, in our, well, in the various units and stuff that I've worked in, I've, I've only ever worked NICU. Like that's my passion. That's my space. That's where I feel super comfortable. I am either at the bedside or I'm in one of the charge nurse roles. And as a charge, that adds on a whole other slew of requirements and priorities and and jobs that you have to be doing. You're managing the whole unit for that shift. You're making new assignments. You're making sure 
No one is drowning in their assignments. You are helping out with difficult admissions. You you might be admitting yourself and in a um on a unit of like a hundred plus beds, that's it's it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Trying to manage an entire unit, manage where you're going to put people, manage assignments, making sure that they're safe. And you have um, nurses, like, picking up different kids just so you can have um, a nurse that's in a different assignment be able to accommodate a new patient. Like, there's such... And matching experience levels yes. of nurses. Yes. You know? It's and a puzzle. Quickly explain the structure of your unit because when you explained it to me I had never heard of anything like it before. Okay. So, so I've worked on a couple of different NICUs and we primarily have like a very critical unit with like a lot sicker patients and then we have like our step down NICU which is our patients that are closer to going home and that like parents can room in and we try and encourage parents to do all the cares and like we're a little bit more hands-off but we're still like constantly monitoring vitals being a resource to parents mixing up food you know like doing meds all that stuff but those assignments usually a nurse has between three and four babies in like our step down unit but if they have four patients, then they also have a care partner with them. Um, normally on our high acuity side, we have between one and two patients, sometimes three if it's um, if like this if the kids are doing better, they're close to moving to the low acuity, but we might not have any rooms available yet. Um, but we also have different units set up where we have a unit that's closer to labor and delivery so that and that's where a lot of like our micro preemie and preemie kids will go um so they can be closer to mom while while mom's still in the hospital but then once parents leave and stuff then we usually end up moving them over to um to uh the other like acute side so like in total side when you're a charge nurse, how many beds are you dealing with? So we have charge nurses on the unit that's closer to L and D, and then we have charge nurses that are in like the actual like children's hospital. Oh, okay. So it just depends on where you are in the campus. See, even that's confusing. Mm-hmm. Like I've been a nurse for a long time, and I have absolutely no idea how a NICU yeah. operates, which is completely different than how a cardiac ICU operates. But know? we're if we're at like. The, the charge nurse that is working on the children's side is the one that's, like, divvying up assignments and trying to manage nurses and stuff that are still going over to this other side. Mm-hmm. So it, it's – there's <laughs> so – there literally are so many levels to being a nurse. There are, and they're so hard to explain. They really are. So hard to explain. And so and, – and then you get into advanced practice nurses, mm-hmm. and you still can't explain that either. And so I – Currently work as a as an acute care nurse practitioner in cardiac surgical ICU. And I happen to know several of my friends work in ICUs as well. And I happen to know that my job is very, very different from their job, even if they work in ICUs. So um I work in an uh special area or specialized area as well. And when I was hired on as a nurse practitioner, I when I get to the hospital in the morning, 
you know, one week I may be in a different cardiac ICU than I was the week before. So my hospital has a lot of cardiac ICUs and I rotate uh, between them. And so each within each cardiac ICU is a different culture, Mm -hmm. uh, different surgeons who like things done a different way. Uh, It can be very confusing and exhausting. uh, But on the flip side, you really learn a lot as a new practitioner in this area. So I get to work about 5.30 in the morning, 5.15 in the morning, and uh, look up my usually full unit of patients, which can be anywhere from 12 to 16 patients, depending on the unit, depending on the day. I look up all their labs, all their drips. Um, I try and see of any issues that have happened overnight. If I'm on day shift, shift, I'll put in orders on all of those patients um, as I see fit. Then I will go out to the unit um, by 6.30. I'll round with the night shift nurses, see if they need anything, see what's happened overnight. Um, Then I will go to sign out by 7.15 where I will meet the physician that I'm working with for the day. And that physician will come back and we'll usually split the unit. Uh, But much much of the time uh, after 3 p.m. or so, I will be managing those patients alone because the physician is off. I mean, there's always help. Like there's always people around. There's physicians Mm -hmm. around that can help you if you need help. But uh, I'll be doing like the transfers and the admits for the day. So sometimes I can see up to over 20 patients a day if between the transfers and the Mm -hmm. admits and whatnot, depending on the cardiac unit, depending on uh, what's going on. Um, And sometimes I'll see 12 patients a day. So uh, it's just crazy the differences and even the days that I can have in the same job. Um, much of my job, I mean, we do full management of ICU patients. So we write all the orders, um, the transfers. We are able to do procedures, but I'm not trained in them yet. Um, nor we have a procedure team. So I don't even know how I would have time to do procedures at this point throughout the day, but I will eventually yeah. get trained. Uh, and yeah, so we basically just um, tie up loose ends, like patients need to be transferred to LTACs or families needed to be communicated with. You know, it's it's uh, similar but different, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's just crazy. So um, just the differences in our days and one advanced practice nurse isn't the same as another one and same as no. an RN. So yeah. this is why we can't explain what we do to society. No, and <laughs> you made a good point earlier. It's like, it's better, it's easier to explain like, what we don't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, the old stereotype, like, oh my God, my, I used like to get so annoyed when I was dating and somebody would find out I was a nurse or a guy would find out that I was a nurse and he'd be like, so can you start an IV on me? And I'd be <laughs> like, actually, I'm really not that good at IVs. To be honest with you, I could. I You're probably really good. <laughs> uh, but I've been in cardiac surgery ICU for like a lot of years and our patients sometimes come up with like two arterial lines and we don't pull them before the patient transfers to the floor. So I'm not really gifted when it comes to that, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. I but love people doing think IVs. You are. You're probably like magic on those little babies. Sometimes. I mean, like, I feel like that kind of also goes in waves sometimes. And it's like... You almost, I hate to be like, you, you, you stick where like, you know, it's, there's like supposed to be a vein because trying to find veins on like really chunky, like diabetic babies or like babies of diabetic moms, like they are so rolly and so thick and (laughs) you're lucky if you can see anything. Oh my gosh. Um, but like, 
heads are like my favorite spot to stand. <laughs> and I will say this, it took me a second um to get comfortable with heads and now they're my favorite. But like I used to have this weird little thing where like I thought the moment like I would like flush like to make sure the IV was good, that like something would like spray out their tear duct. Oh my god. You know, like that was yeah. like that like scared me. But and it's totally irrational, but like that was like my big fear of like scalp veins and stuff. But now I'm like, nah, man, the kids like they can't really like yank them out. You know, they're, they're oh not like gosh. swinging that around so much. But I'm just having flashbacks to when I was attacking a pediatric ICU for three months <laughs> before I transferred to adults, and it just all like freaked me out. It all yeah. freaked me out. I was just not a good nurse for children and, and <laughs> children's parents. I was just not, I was not the one, but you were, thank but God. Like, but that's the thing. So many nurses find their calling in different areas, mm-hmm. like psychiatric nursing. Oh, that right. Was, bless them. Oh my God. Bless them. Mm-hmm. Like I, that, that flat out is not an area that I'm good at. Oh like my gosh. And the nurses who work in psych are so good at it in general, yeah. like so good at it and like absolutely love it. And yeah. I could and they never definitely be have good. a calling towards it, but then they, they might also be like, oh my God, like pediatrics, like I could exactly. never do that. You know, like it's yeah. funny, like every nurse has their, their own little like niche that they feel, um, the safest working in. Yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. So I think that we've determined that maybe one of the only ways to figure out what nurses do is to find what they don't do. Yeah. Um, so I came up with a few questions okay. just to go back and forth between us to try and further define a little bit okay. uh, what we do uh, and tease out some misconceptions as well. So Let's do it. first question do you think part of a nurse's job is to operate in the background? Like in order to do it well, do you have to be able to operate in the background and the foreground? Ooh. Yeah. Because you, as a nurse, you have to be able to, um, take orders. Um, but you also need to use your brain and question those orders Mm -hmm. because, um, especially like my, my expertise comes from a teaching hospital and, that means that we have med students, residents, fellows, and attendings. Mm-hmm. And um, like med students and residents and even like fellows sometimes are still learning. They're still training. Um, and like our job is kind of a catch-all. Mm-hmm. You do. You have to be able to work on the like minute details of nursing and patient care as well as come to the forefront when like something's going wrong and have the courage to be like, to, to advocate for your patient and be like, no, like this is, this is not okay. This is what's happening. A, B, and C, like list out your facts so that you have something to, to bring to the providers and be like, okay, we need to work together and like make a different change for this patient. Right. Right. <clears throat> I completely agree. I think, uh, I mean, you can even take, I've always worked in teaching hospitals as well. Mm-hmm. and. But you can even take the best provider, deprive them of sleep, and give them way too many patients, and they can put in an order that's completely incorrect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're a nurse that is a technician and is And nurses make plenty of mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. We're we're human beings, and unfortunately, 
in healthcare, I think that we're put on a pedestal and we're expected to not be human. Yeah. Um, but we are. And so you have to question everything if it doesn't seem mm-hmm. right. And you have to have that experience and have like the alignment within your gut and your brain to know the like what's wrong and what's not real. It's the real deal. It's yeah. the real deal. And so if you're out of alignment with that, you it's know, like sense. it can be, yeah, it can be bad. You kind of have to have it. And so operating within the foreground and the background, definitely. Um, and then to know when to question as well, uh, is extremely important. And then not to mention that my favorite moments in bedside nursing have been my moments with patients. And those are moments, patients and their families, those are moments that will never be duplicated. Never. Um, Especially in like a NICU or an ICU setting. I'm assuming it's like that elsewhere hospice. Mm -hmm. Like there are very serious areas of nursing that like those moments have taught me so much and pulled me outside of myself, which has been the best for me. You know, if I get in my head or I feel depressed or something like that, like going to work and just seeing what people go through can, can, it just has made me such a better person. And so like those moments are like very sacred and they're very private and your patients have to know that you're human and you're safe and they can talk to you and say whatever they want. And you're not going to run back to someone and tell them, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. a very private connection between you and your patient and you and your patient's family that you have. And I don't think other areas other people in healthcare don't get that because yeah. nurses are with the patient all of the time. So to mm-hmm. be a great nurse, I think you have to be able to do both for yes. sure. Um, okay. Let's see here. Do you think that nurses all operate from the same core belief system despite their area of practice? So here's my thing with that. I feel like nurses don't become nurses for the money. This is not a money-making career. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who like assumes that is, is very oh misinformed. God, so yeah. <laughs> Just have them come to Tennessee. We're the lowest paid state for nurses. <laughs> Are they? you really? Yeah. Well, I haven't yeah. worked in high paid states either, but no, I mean, California might have no right. what's going on, but, right. <laughs> um, people don't become nurses for the pay. They become nurses from, and, and maybe I'm just pulling too much from my own core beliefs, but people are nurses because they feel that calling and that need to serve others, to help others, to heal others. And, and even as I say that, like you can't, I mean, no one can see that or feel that right now, but like my hands warm up when I say that, like, and it's, I'm a, I'm a very like spiritual person. I feel like my body has lived and like done a ton of different things. And I feel like that makes me a better nurse. Um, I feel like I've, I've healed a lot of people, not only like in this time lifetime, but last, but in, in previous lifetimes, but I, I, it's so hard to explain, but like, I'm a nurse because I feel like I'm a healer mm-hmm. and that is what I do the best. I, I comfort, I heal, I, I treat, I just, I love, and like, I feel like I give a bit of like love to each and every one of my patients. Right. And I feel like you can throw every bit of medication to a patient, Mm -hmm. uh, but if they're not alignment in alignment with their mind, body, and spirit, they Mm -hmm. will not be quote unquote healed, Right, you know? And I think nurses are a huge component of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I 
as mentioned in like our previous episode, I didn't feel that way when I got into nursing, but once you get in and if you're open enough to receive it, it definitely changes you and your and your way, your thought, and you just start to recognize how important that is, like how I'm, important your presence is. I'm curious if there was like one patient or one sort of event in your nursing career that really helped you kind of feel that. Um, I don't know that there was, I have a handful of patients that I feel like I carry with me at all times, mm-hmm. at all times. They're always there, Same. but I- I think, yeah, I think um, really when I moved to Oklahoma and I was working in one of the larger hospitals there, but a hospital that had fewer resources than the university hospital that I was in previously, I realized uh, just how important the nurses were because they were so relied upon and they were doing everything. And they, that was the state that really taught me how to be a nurse. I mean, there Mm -hmm. were no safety nets. There were there were uh, at night shift, if you had like five codes, you could call someone in and they could come and take care of your patient. Like a doctor could come in and help you, but you were the first hands and there were residents in the hospital, but some of them were first years and they were taking care of tons of patients at the same time. So it was that. And then as far as like the spiritual aspect, as like the deaths that I witnessed started to pile on, Mm -hmm. it started to become very clear that to me, like it it was almost, you know, I was very disconnected from my spiritual upbringing before I became a nurse. I, I may have even had a point in time where I had lost faith in God or any higher power, but nursing really brought that that. back to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of it had to do with the number of deaths that I watched and experienced and the events that happened in in the room while, uh, it, was like the coding was going on or after mm-hmm. a patient had died and I was like, you know, washing them and like putting them in a body bag or things like that. And, um, so yeah, so I, I, I don't know that there was a single moment, but there have definitely been a compilation of moments that have, uh, helped me realize that I do believe I was called to this profession in kind of a backwards way, mm-hmm. but I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So there's that, you know. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it's that way for a lot of us. I think there's yeah. a split. You mm-hmm. don't realize that you call we're called, but you get in there and then you just can't stop. Like you just no. love it. Yeah. You know? So uh okay. All right. So let's see here. Oh, I didn't really ever answer that question, but in a roundabout way, I guess I did. Like you we have the core same core belief but we mm-hmm. may not even realize that we have the same core belief at the right. same time. So um, this question is pretty easy. It's like a yes or no. And I think we both know the answer. Do you think nurses are knowledgeable in hard sciences and soft sciences? 100%. Totally. But just for like anyone else listening, what do you define as hard and soft sciences? Uh, people will probably hate me for this definition, but hard sciences, I would say biology, microbiology, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, like they would say a medical doctor is much more heavily trained in hard sciences than a nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, soft sciences, I would say psychology, sociology, uh, you know, caring, love, yeah. like that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I believe it's all science. I'm not sure it that is. I would even separate them, but it's a common yeah. term used. So, Well, I feel like nurses have to walk that line between both. Like we're mm-hmm. we're trained in both. And I feel like um, maybe some of the things, I mean, 
caring doesn't come naturally to everyone, I don't think. Um, I think it can be brought out of people, mm-hmm. but there's some things that you just can't train a person to do. And I think that's one of the things that separates that one nurse that you will never forget for like grieving with you, crying with you, teaching you, loving you, and like really healing you from a nurse that just like came in and like, you know, gave their meds, did their feeds, um, got you up to the toilet, set you back down. You know, like right. Right. there's there's a certain level of nursing that cannot be taught. And I feel like it's just instilled. And I feel like that that's the same way with many doctors and stuff too. And mm-hmm. they refer to it as the, the bedside manner, you know, um, there's, there's a certain level of care and love and, and empathy really that you cannot teach medical professionals. And I feel like some of the ones that are the greatest ones are very in tune with both aspects of science and the art of actually healing someone. Completely agree. Nurse, doctor, literally anyone mm-hmm. that works in healthcare, hundred percent, which goes into the next question. Do you think nurses and or physicians are wounded healers in a way? And do you believe that uh, you have to experience, go through rough experiences to know how to heal another person properly. I don't think you have to go through really rough experiences to know how to heal someone, but I feel like people that have been through more in their lifetime can empathize better. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are just natural empaths and can like put themselves in the same place that you're in. Um, or, I mean, not like, not the exact same place, but they can, they feel for you, you know? Um, after my fiance had passed away, it, and like background info there, he was, he was always very proud and loved the fact that I was a nurse so much. And I actually like really like hated nursing for a while because he loved it so much, but he wasn't there. And like, it it was just a weird sort of like coping mechanism that I had. And then I had this one family that reminded me of how much I love nursing and through that whole patient stay I mean this child was with me for seven months and I really got to know um the family very very closely and what ended up happening that um (laughs) I'm gonna cry talking about him but he did not make it and he was one of the first patients that I had lost since my fiance had passed away and I maintained a very close relationship with, um, this patient's mother. And I was obviously in a very different state of grieving at this point. This was close to a a year and a half after he had passed. And I was able to use some of the, the things that I had gone through and be sort of like a beacon of hope for this mom in knowing that like, our losses were completely different, but it's it's still a loss and there still is that day where you will unthaw and be capable of loving again, be capable of smiling again and being capable capable of appreciating life again. So I do think that the troubles and stuff um, that we have gone through in our lives do make us able to relate better and we might not know it at the time, but it gives us a different 
purpose and we'll realize it when we start using what we have learned and been through to that ultimately helps guide and and maybe even heal someone else i i like you're tearing up which is also (laughs) making me tear up a little bit but i can completely identify and the healing that i've experienced from my patients and families and vice versa has been i've i just don't think that it could be learned in any other way. And mm-hmm. I, I do believe in the wounded healers concept, which is yeah. a psychological concept from, of course, I forget the person who invented it at this very moment, but you just have to Google it. And Back um, check. Yeah. And uh, I, I, ex- I believe it because I've experienced it so deeply. And uh, I think that you run into issues when you are using other people to fill yourself but when you genuinely empathize and can be with them in moments, I think that it's uh, like an incredible, I think it's an incredible individual thing for each person, depending on the experiences that you've been through. Um, so I think that it definitely matters. And then so many nurses, if you just ask around, have been through so much like mm-hmm. so so much it's unreal just ask just ask somebody and you'll be like oh my gosh like it's yeah. crazy so i think it has something to do with it but um so did you find it i did fact check um carl young oh yeah of course of course <laughs> it's like one of the most famous, famous psychologists yeah, or, yeah famous <laughs> people ever so uh yeah so he's crazy but um, my last question that I think is important and we can wrap this up is, can you name something that nurses do not do off the top of your head? Nurses can't write prescriptions. <laughs> Except <laughs> unless you're advanced practice. Unless you're advanced case, practice. In which case you can. Yeah. I'm just like trying to think. I honestly like wrote this question and I was like, and of course, my mind directly goes to things that happened in a hospital. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. like, what can you not do? What can I not do? I cannot lift a car. <laughs> right. I cannot lift a car. Yeah. But if I had enough adrenaline coursing through me and there was, like, a child or, like, a small puppy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I was going to say, yeah. but you put a kitten under that car oh, and well, we'd get shit. 20 of us in, like, five seconds to lift that dang car. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I got nothing. I literally have nothing. Nothing of logic. Like, I just feel like we can do anything. Yeah. So. The nurses can do anything. Women in medicine can do anything. (laughs) It's true. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We really enjoyed making it. Um, Leave any comments, questions, uh, reviews um, on our pages. And. Please subscribe. Yeah, please subscribe. Because that matters. It does. It does matter. (laughs) And we're having a really. It's very healing. This has been very healing. This has been really nice. So I hope I hope it's been good for you too. <laughs> yes, yes. And please share any of your experiences, Danielle said, on any of our pages. Yes. At the WOMED. WOMED out. Yeah. Bye. Woo!